Hello, and you're listening to STFU, We Are Not Done Talking Yet, with your hosts, Danielle Warman and Charlotte Gabert. In our podcast, we discuss current events, popular culture, writing, books, movies, and women's lives. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's edition of Shut the Fuck Up. We are not done talking yet. It is, in fact, the middle of December that this season has come upon us. And whether you like it or not, I was just telling Charlotte that it's Christmaca at our house. So not only do we have the tree up and our um, all the Christmas stuff, but I've got Hanukkah. I'm having 15 people over on Sunday making latkes and a brisket. <laughs> My daughter's helping me. I figure less than half the people who are coming are Jewish. Yeah. I love that. Gotta love that. So that's, but it's all good and I'm happy. Just super busy, but who cares? And so Charlotte, what would you like to tell us today? It's a crazy time of year. And this year, because we were out of town for a long time at Thanksgiving, we did not really even have time to put up a tree because we're leaving again to go out of town for Christmas. So yeah, it's kind of crazy. But Last night, I found the time to go to downtown Walnut Creek and participate in a Nobody is Above the Law event, which was super fun. We were at the corner of Maine and Mount Diablo Boulevard, which is the corner where there is a Tiffany store, Neiman Marcus. We've got the Pottery Barn going on. Yeah, it's just like classic Walnut Creek suburban life. So people were in a really jolly mood, great signs, very good-natured group, a couple of old hippies with a microphone and a guitar singing, blowing in the wind. Oh, my God, really? And we sang, We Shall Not Be Moved. And we sang, um, This Land is Your Land, This Land is My Land. So it was pretty fun. Did you sing Kumbaya? No, we never did that. No. (laughs) I ran into Debbie from Nia class. Um, awesome. I ran into several people I knew. Yeah, it was fun. And I'm, like, I was like, somebody from Pottery Barn should come out with some free hot wassail samples or something, right? Because it was really nippy. It was chilly. Yeah. And then tonight, we, my husband and I, are going to go to the Fox Theater in Oakland for a recording of a podcast, the Slate Political podcast, which is one of the first podcasts I listened to before ours. Of course, now I don't have time to listen to anybody else's podcast, but this, my husband loves this one. It's got, let's see, Emily Bazelon and John Dickerson. And let's see, the host, his name I always forget, which is sort of sad. Oh, are you still there? I'm here. Okay, good. I just went off to my computer to look up the third person, but I failed. So at any rate, we're going and we get to have drinks with them um, an hour before. So that's what we're doing. We've already opened Christmas presents. We did that last night. Because <laughs> we're getting because we're leaving town. So we had to get that done so we can be busy packing tomorrow night. Yeah, and then you don't have to bring the presents with you that you yeah. are giving each other. It's just a whole lot of stuff that you keep carrying back and forth. Exactly. All right. So we thought we would do an episode. This is our last episode of the whole year. 
And we're going to do the first half is going to be about our favorite charities that we like to give to. And then the second half, we'll talk about our favorite gifts, our least favorite gifts, maybe our funniest gifts. I'm sure we both have stories to tell on that topic. So you want me to get started on? Oh, I do want you to. Charities? Okay. Okay. During the year, I support a whole lot of different nonprofits, but these are just some of the ones that I thought I'd share with our listeners. They're not necessarily ones that anybody would have heard of, um, but I like them. Okay, the first one, it's called Trust in Education. It was started by a local attorney here in Lafayette, California, where Danielle used to live. This fellow is named Bud McKenzie. One day, on a Sunday, he was reading the Sunday paper. He was taking it apart and throwing Parade Magazine on the floor, which is the way we all read the newspaper on Sunday. And he saw an article about Afghanistan. And that fellow who wrote the book, like, Five Cups of Tea. More Three recently, Cups of Tea. Three Cups of Tea. Okay. He, must, he read about that guy. And he got very excited he tracked him down. It took him about a month to actually find him and talk to him. So Bud McKenzie eventually then got started doing his own nonprofit work into Afghanistan. What they do, they do, they're really focused on getting education for girls especially, but also for boys. Um, they have done a lot of things and they do like little things that are really, really helpful. Like they built a bridge over some ravine so that kids could actually cross over and get to school. They send really warm clothes for the winter. They help train teachers who end up teaching a lot of times in people's homes so that they can be more discreet so the Taliban does not disturb them. Um, then they have this other program that I participate in where you can sponsor a child. And what they do is they find that kids who are on the street who are basically selling stuff to make money. They're doing things, running errands, whatever they can do to make money for their family. And Trust in Education pays them $50 a month to, instead of being on the street all day, they go to school. And you can communicate with them. I just got a letter from the boy that I sponsor who wrote this very sweet letter and sent me some pictures of himself. Um, any rate, it's like a very creative group. There's one full-time employee, and Bud McKenzie has also written a book called Off the Couch and Into the Hearts and Minds. And it's, it's about his experiences working in um, Afghanistan, maybe over 20 years. I'm not sure how long he's been doing it, but pretty long. And he sells that book to help raise money as well. So if you want to check out Trust in Education, um, I highly recommend it. And, you know, I just like the fact that it's small. It's very focused. He has a team in Afghanistan who does a lot of the stuff. He himself hasn't been there in a few years because it's been too dangerous. Okay. So I just like that. I like everything about this organization. And I just met Bud McKenzie recently at a screening of a movie called Swallows of Kabul. He was actually there and talked about trust and education. So I was psyched to actually meet him in person. Okay. Can I and say now, one thing about Bud, Bud McKenzie? Yes. It's the name of that dog. 
the 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 bull terrier on the Budweiser commercial. Is the name of the dog is Bud McKenzie? I had Bud no idea. McKenzie. Oh, Spuds. Yeah. No, wrong. It just sounded like it. And I'm sorry, I didn't meant no disrespect <laughs> for this gentleman because he sounds amazing. He sounds amazing. I'm being a really bad smart ass. Okay. <laughs> All right. On to next to you. <laughs> okay. So these are local um, organizations in actually in Contra Costa County. Uh-huh. And um, I really like them. One is called Shelter Inc. And I think it's in Martinez. Mm -hmm. And they provide apartments and gear and a little bit of money, I guess, to families that are struggling. So there's these families that are around, um, they might be uh, immigrants and they're living paycheck to paycheck. So they have this, they have rent and then something can go wrong, like their car breaks and then they can't go to work and then they're going to get fired. Both of the couple are working and then what happens to the kids. So this place helps them in many regards and um, they're lovely. Our friend, David Gerson, used to be on their board, BTW. Oh yeah. Good guy. Yep. Good guy. And, um, yeah, I know that organization, my next door neighbor, Bunny works with them a lot. A couple of years I helped her wrap wrap packages for families where, you know, you could adopt a family at Christmas time. And they told you that, you know, it was like a single mom with two kids, their ages, that sort of thing. Exactly. I saw Stacy doing that a couple of years. So I knew about that, but I had, all of, you know, I still get their mail, you know, even though I moved back to Oakland, I still, uh -huh. they're lovely, lovely people. Yeah. Okay. What's your next one? Okay. This one is, um, it's called Cantari Convivo. It's an Oakland-based organization, very local. They sponsor an adult choir, a chamber ensemble for adults, and I sang in that ensemble for a couple of years. But what their really cool thing is that they have children's after-school music programs that they do um, in Oakland. And they take, let's see, they take music education and performing to 2,250 students every week. If you give them $50, that will bring one music lesson to an Oakland classroom. The choirs, there's two of them. And one is for like little kids and one's for more advanced kids. And it is really, really cool because they, they just get all these kids involved in singing. And they also provide music education that is so often missing nowadays in the public school system. So I really like them. Um, this was started by David Morales back in 1987. And it's a great um, organization that kind of brings together everybody who loves singing in the area. And um, they do, gosh, there's a lot of concerts throughout the year, including just ones by the ensemble and sometimes by the big chorus and the kids have concerts. And then at the end of this year for Christmas and then at the end of in May, they'll do like giant, giant performances with every possible combination of choir. So it's really, really active and uh, a, a great group. They are. I went to see your concert at least once and it was nice. Yes. Yeah. I remember that was like, it was kind of a long concert. I remember it was a Christmas concert with everybody on board and the full orchestra, but 
super fun. No, it was very nice. I was at that big church in Oakland on the corner of 27. Yeah, the yeah. Presbyterian Church. Bomb diggity. All right. So here's one. Here's an organization that I have been donating or volunteering for for a pretty long time is Community Concern for Cats. I believe that their headquarters are in Clayton. Um, but anyway, out by, again, out by you in the seas in Contra Costa. And I was doing some fostering for them when I, you know, went into um, one of the Pet Food Express places and I said, what can I do to help you? And they said, we really need cat fosters. And then I may foster failure and kept my cat. So my little cat, Tortellini, <laughs> who's not little at all, she's seven, is what happened at CC for C. And so I always, you know, they write me again with the letters in the mail. I'm like, yes, you can have money. And then recently <laughs> they asked me to help them do their email distribution on MailChimp. So I'm going to endeavor to do that in the new year. So I'm helping out a little bit. Cool. Um, and I don't know how many, I should have looked it up, how many cats they rescue a year. It is a lot. People contact them. They're like, we found a mom cat with five kittens and here they are. And they just go get them and heal them and take them to vets. Vets, um, what do you call it? Help them out and give them free care. Right. right. That, um, Matt, the one of the, the less yes. And the Contra Costa, Cat shelter, animal shelter in Martinez also um, does the spaying and neutering for, man, I'm sure more than one cat uh, group that does rescuing of cats. So that's, it's very sweet. Everyone helps out and kitties are born all over the place to people that, sorry, to cats who don't really want them. <laughs> I mean, the cats and the people probably don't want them. You know? <laughs> so we have to do our best. You know, it's hard to practice safe sex out in the wild. And, you know, it's yeah. talk about access to um, contraceptives. That's rough. You know, you're out there living in the, you know, yeah. who knows where. Yeah. yeah. They're having unwanted kittens. It's not a good thing. Yes. I think once they have them, then they're like, oh, you're cute. I'll take care of you. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty automatic. Uh-huh. I've <laughs> seen it. Well, okay. Um, now on to a totally different one. This one I just read about. I haven't really investigated it, but this is a small nonprofit. It got started in 2014. It is called RIP, Rest in Peace Medical Debt. It was started by two guys who were former debt collectors. And what they do is they get donations from people and organizations then they buy portfolios of debt from healthcare providers and debt collectors. I guess that's how this works. You oh can my gosh. Buy, but instead of trying to collect the debts, they forgive them. The debts could range from $500 to $2,000. So over the past five years, Rest in Peace Medical Debt has purchased more than $900 million in medical debts. Now, while that is a lot, it is barely a drop in the bucket in medical debt collections nationwide. They have helped 350,000 lucky individuals. And the way they go about doing it, they focus on people who, learn, who earn less than twice the federal poverty level, which is about $25,000 for one person, or if the medical debt makes up at least 5% of their income. 
And donors can choose the location, the group affiliation, demographics of the individuals they want to help. But ultimately, RIP selects the group of people to be included in the portfolios that they abolish. And it says the biggest chunk of people they help is in their late 30s. Also, a tremendous number of people who are elderly and also veterans. So I thought that was really very creative. Um, it reminds me of something that my mother's church in Columbia, Missouri did recently where they did a fundraising um, project and their goal was to eliminate all medical debt for everybody in that county. And they were so successful that they wiped out all the, the debt in the county and went and also worked in the adjoining county. Amazing. So I just think that's like such a creative, thoughtful way to help people. And it's, I love you know, it. The, your money goes a long way. I mean, when you buy debt, um, you know, it's like people will settle the debt for a penny on the dollar kind of thing. So to get rid of like a million dollars of debt, you maybe only have to come up with, I don't know, a thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The money that gets raised really wipes out a big bunch of debt. I really like that one. I just want to say to the listeners, we are going to put the website of every single nonprofit that we're talking about. So if anybody is moved by these programs that you, cause I've never heard of that. Yeah. Great idea. I think I read about this one in wait for it. Yep. An AARP publication. And I just Way tore to it go, out. geezer lady. Just kidding. I know. I'm just kidding, Char. No, I am. I am. I am <laughs> a hot geezer lady. And can I do one more? Because Absolutely. I, I came across another one that I had not heard of before. This one is called nonprofitvote.org. So it's an organization that stresses voter registration. And what they do is they help other nonprofits set up voter registration drives. So, you know, the idea is like, no matter what your nonprofit is focused on, you, you also probably want to help people get registered to vote so that they will be able to vote for people in government who kind of pursue the same strategies and the same goals that the nonprofit is doing. So, I mean, it is nonpartisan. Um, and they'll work with any nonprofit. But I thought that, again, was kind of a very creative type of nonprofit activity. Nonprofit, helping other nonprofits. Fantastic. Okay. I like that. Yeah, it's cool, huh? Yeah. So here's something that I've both been involved with on a volunteer basis and I've been donating to, and that is Grateful Gatherings. And this is an organization headed up by two women. I think one lives in Contra Costa and one lives in Oakland. And they rally a lot, a lot of women to get together. They have, you know, personal donations, but I'm sure they get corporate donations too. And they find a woman who's getting out of a shelter because she's been battered by her spouse or boyfriend and the kids and they get them out of the shelter and put them into an apartment that's furnished. So people donate gently used items, the sofas, da, da, da. the only thing they give them brand new for sure is um, beds and sheets, you know, like a mattress and everything. And I have done this twice where they, the people, the, the mom and the kids go out in the morning and by 4 p.m. 
their entire apartment is set up, everything, kitchen, bathroom, bedrooms, a couple toys for the kids, new sneakers for the kids, whatever. And they come back and it is so adorable. They cry. They can't stop saying thank you. The little kids cry. It is so amazing. Yeah, very, very sweet. And um, the couple, the sorry, the two women who do it work so hard, hard. And, you know, so I go down there when I can. I help with various things. And it was also my friend Kimberly's um, favorite charity, my friend who died of cancer earlier this year. So after that happened, then I was even more into it yes. to honor her. And um, so it's called Grateful Gatherings. And we'll, again, put these on our site or on our, yes. both on our, on the Facebook page and the anchor notes. You know, I remember that with the last time you did the Grateful Gatherings thing, I went online to see if there's anything that they needed that I could donate. And they were so super organized. They had like this list, you know, kind of the wish list. And it was updated so that if something had already been donated, they don't need it anymore. Yeah, yeah. they seem like they're super organized. Yeah, they have. I forgot what that thing, the website is, the app that they use that you can yeah. to, to check it. But I was like, oh, Four coral covered, you know, towels and right. four washcloths and four little towels, all completely organized. And yeah. many stuff, many things are new, you know, because you don't want to give them old towels, but, um, or yeah, but anyway, just stuff. And then someone else is like, oh my God, I don't want my, you know, bedside tables or I don't want my, my coffee table anymore. And you just give it to them and you better believe they're very appreciative. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really kind of cool because it's just going straight to somebody who really needs it, you know, which is better than donating it to some, oh, I don't know, some other place where you're not really sure what's going to happen to it, you know? All right. True, true, true. And I just want to say one more. I know this is very obvious, but um, all of our food banks, county to county, Contra Costa, Alameda, and they're, you know, everywhere else in California and everywhere else in the United States. These, these, these nonprofits, they serve an enormous number of people. Um, they get food donated by individuals, but also, you know, a truck full of bread comes in from, you know, Wender Bread or something or one of those things, and they distribute an enormous amount of food, and it really, really serves the community. So yes. that's always a no-brainer. That is true. The Food Bank of Contra Costa in Solano County, I think, is one that we always give to and um they yeah they've been working so much and of course they've you know like during the downturn i remember 2008 9 10 when people were like losing their houses and people lost their jobs they really they really rose to the occasion and did yeah. a lot of fundraising and served a lot more people than normal someone who i know from my Nia community, Sarah, who is from a little town outside of um, Fresno. So it's in Tulare County. So she ran the Tulare Food Bank for a while. And she got a program going, gleaning Mm -hmm. fruit. So they had groups going around to people who were never going to pick those pears and never going to pick those apples and lemons, picking them and then bringing them to the food bank and then distributing them. So there's so many creative ways to get yeah. food. Um, yeah. So on, I just honor all those people. They really are doing an amazing thing for our, our you know, yeah. our community. 
All right. I think I will probably finish with, this is just a little collection since climate change is an issue and we always feel like we can't do anything about it, but there are all sorts of organizations that work on it from different points of view. So here are a few. All right. One is the NRDC, National Resource Defense Council. And they basically, from what I can tell, they sue the Trump administration, you know, like on a daily basis. One of the things they're working on is that the Trump administration is trying to open up Alaska's Tongass National Forest that I've actually been in when the time I went on my Alaska cruise. It is the planet's largest intact temperate rainforest. And of course, they want to open it up to bulldozers and chainsaws and destroy it. Um, anyway, so NRDC, they do really awesome work. Then there's the Center for Biological Diversity. There's the Rainforest Action something. Rainforest Action Network. Yes. They kind of go, they go around the world and work with local people to preserve their rainforests. And they're really, really on the ground kind of organization. And then Ocean Conservancy is another really great one. So those are kind of my big four that I keep track of and donate to on a pretty regular basis. And most of them were actually recommended to me by a marine biologist I met on vacation once who um, he came to Rancho La Puerta and he lectured on the fate of the oceans and he suggested these were really good organizations. So, I love it. You have it. Um, I'm going to share something that I haven't contributed to, but I would really like to, because this just called out when we were talking, you like you talking about the environment. And I remember a few years ago when Butthead got elected, I was so into the Standing Rock yes. fight. I was just moved by it. People were going there. I thought about going there. And I was just beside myself with what's happening to tribal lands. And anyway, it made me insane. It made me insane. And then I gave them money for something. And then some other organization <laughs> sends me stuff, right? Then you get a letter from everybody. Right. Um, but here's something, the Native American Rights Fund, a nonprofit legal organization for um, individuals who otherwise would go without adequate representation. So that's one thing. We can help, you know, folks in many ways. There are um, tribal organizations around here, like in Oakland, I don't know about San Francisco, but there are folks who, you know, meet together and do stuff. So anyway. So true. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, we'll have to conclude by just saying that there's so many worthy organizations that need support and we all need to support them. And, you know, at this time of year, it's easy to forgo buying a stupid gift and just make a donation in honor of somebody. Most of us all have more than we need already. And so it's a great time to just say, hey, I'm going to divert some of my Christmas spending and donate it to a good cause. Right. And not only is Christmas spending, Christmas, there's more stuff in the earth. Like yep. it, whatever we're getting is probably going to fall apart someday and be in, um, in the landfill. Unless it's food. That's like, okay. 
So, you know, you can make edible rules or handmade rules. I can make someone a candle. When you burn it, it goes away. I like that. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Oh, out of beeswax. Right. I can make yeah. out of beeswax or I can buy a very, you know, like a really inexpensive, you know, like little beeswax pellets and make something and then everything gets burned away. And you can, or you can, you know, you can reuse your votive. If it's in a votive, you reuse it. Oh yeah. So too. Yeah. So that's a little like non, what's that called again? It's not like non stuff, but it's non-impact. You have earth, yeah. right? Is that what it's called? I would, that's fine. Works for me. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, our, yeah, I think our listeners know at this point that I'm probably having a lot of trouble finding words. It's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see what we can do on our second topic today. <laughs> we'll see if we can come with the words. Yeah, it's that time of year. I think we're so scattered and going in so many different directions. It is actually really hard to focus. Um, yeah, but we, yeah. Wanted to, we just wanted to share some stories of gifting gift giving, gift receiving. Um, I know you said you had a bunch. So why, I do why have you? a bunch, but I would like to take a break. You want to take a break? Let's okay. take a break and talk about gifting. Hold on. Hi, everybody. We're back for the section on gift giving, gifts received, and gifts given. All right, I'm going to start with a story. This story is about the best gift I ever got. When I was in fifth grade, we had moved to Memphis, Tennessee, and I had been taking piano lessons for two years, but when we moved to Memphis from Missouri, we did not take the piano with us because it was an old nasty piano. So for the first year of fifth grade, I took piano lessons without having a piano at home to practice on. My piano teacher lived in the same apartment complex, so sometimes she would let me come to her house to practice. Then I also made friends with this really nice couple, and they had a piano, and they let me come over and practice anytime, even after they had a new baby. Their attitude was, hey, this baby can just sleep or not, you know, go ahead and come and play. The baby, she'll get used to it. <laughs> Aw, that's sweet. So then in the spring for my birthday, which is in April, my mother totally surprised me by getting a new piano, which was a brand new piano, a Baldwin Howard spinet. And it was delivered and put in our dining room. I was totally shocked because my single mom was, you know, always struggling for money. And it turns out she bought it on a rent-to-own plan. So for a while, I was playing on a rented piano, and then eventually, I had a piano. And I just, within the last year, gave the piano away. I needed the space for it, for my art studio. And honestly, an old piano is not actually a great piano. But I found a good home for it. And um, I have good memories of that piano, and I could actually go visit it anytime I want because I know where it is. <laughs> but I won't. And yeah, so that's my awesome gift. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's a good story, right? Yeah. So my 
I'm probably forgetting something, but my favorite, favorite gift ever is um, that my dad gave my family, the kids, a toboggan when oh. we were young. I mean, I, I could have been like five, six, or seven, something like that. And it was fantastic. It was a high quality Nordic type toboggan. So my father's from Germany, but he's from Hamburg. That's like flat and there aren't any hills and there's no snow. But he must have spent time somewhere where it was snowy. Oh, Canada. Ha, huh, forgot about that. He, he lived in Canada for 10 years before he went to New Jersey. So he, he gave it. It was so much fun. We used to tear down hills in that thing and hit trees. Yes. Got head injuries. It's amazing. And rocks. Mm -hmm. Oh, rocks. And tear up um, golf courses. In my town had three golf courses <laughs> so that someone had busted the fence as we go in there. And by the time it was spring, the greenskeepers come out and they're like, oh man, this kid <laughs> the hills again. Kids. Now, could yeah. your whole family, could all the kids get on there? Oh yeah. It was long enough for, for little kids for at least five. Oh my God. So you sit on and then the person behind puts the, the legs out wide and then you just like line up like that. And then when everyone sat down, then you tuck your feet in. Does that gotcha. make sense? Yeah. I can picture it. And did um, you it was, it was epic. I mean, did you steer with your feet? You steer with your feet and two strings. So there's two strings coming out of the front, just like oh, a sled. Yeah. But you use your feet and that string and you could steer. Oh, gosh. And the best thing was ice. Forget snow. This thing like <laughs> went down on ice. No, super, super fun. So I think we like basically wore it out. And then actually at some point, there was some memory that I have that it got stolen. And that's like unbelievable for my silly little town that didn't have crime. But yeah. we got left outside and somebody slipped away with it. Oh, man. Man. You know, that reminds me of um, Marcy Fitzsimmons, my old physical therapist. She told me that, you know, one year we actually had snow here, like on the ground snow. And she lived out in Clayton. She and her girls made a snowman and then she was in her living room and she looked out the window and somebody stole the snowman they pulled up in a truck and they they took this they like shoveled him up into their the back of their pickup and took off down the street she being very athletic she took off running and she knew a shortcut like she knew that to get out of the subdivision they were gonna have to go down this certain street so she cut through and she, inter she intercepted them. She said they looked so wild-eyed when they saw her because she was running toward them, but they just kept going. And she said part of it flew out the back. But like, can you imagine stealing a snowman? That's In my whole lame. life, I have never heard of that. That's, well, that's just because people around here don't get much snow. And so they're clearly crazy. I'm putting it. on Facebook seeing if anybody else ever had a snowman stolen from yeah. their front yard where people have snow. I'm just yeah. going to find out. It's a poll. Okay. Now let's see. Now I guess I will progress to my next story. Um, oh, this is the worst gift. Let's see. We have um, relatives on my mom's side who are lovely people. They're, they're actually my mom's cousin and his wife, but they've always been kind of like an aunt and uncle to me. And for years, they always gave my sister and me just like really nice gifts, thoughtful, personal, 
Then one year, when I was like 19, 20, I don't know, I was a young adult and they were still giving us gifts. Well, they gave us this, they gave me this gift. I opened it up and it was like a desk ornament thing that you would give to like a corporate or business friend, client. It had a base and it had on top of the wooden base, there was this pointer dog, like a brass pointer dog. And you could twist the dog around and then it would circle slowly and it would play the impossible dream. You know that song? To yeah. dream the impossible dream. Yeah. Okay. So this was like such a ridiculous gift. I thought for sure that they had given it to me by accident, that it got mixed in with gifts for their business because they had their own business. So I wrote them this thank you note that specifically spelled out the gift, thinking that would alert them that they'd made a mistake, but I heard nothing. So I figured, okay, that was your gift. Because it was such a terrible gift, I had to re-gift it, of course. So I wrapped it up and I gave it to my brother-in-law. So he ended up with it. And then my sister had it and she put it out in a yard sale. And it was the first thing that went in her yard sale. <laughs> yeah. So I like how everyone was re-gifting it because it was yeah, so lame. That's it just awesome. kept going. It's still being, it's sort of like when people give that same fruitcake over and over again. Although I know you actually like fruitcake. Well, which it makes you kind I, of a fruitcake. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's you right. fruitcake. Yeah, I was thinking about, I looked up in, um, in my old uh, Joy of Cooking cookbook, and they have a recipe for fruitcake, and I think I'm going to make it. It does not have candied cherries, the green and red cherries. It has fruits, like a dried fruit, like you can put in a pear or an apple. Yes. I think I might try it and just run it over my family, run it, sorry, run it by my family and see if they're just, into it. Just don't call it fruitcake, right? Just gave it a totally different name, and then they'll Cake. Leave. Yeah, we're having cake. It's got fruit in it. It's not a fruit cake. If no fruit. one likes it, I'll go slice it up and give it to the um, to homeless people yeah. that are ubiquitous, as you would say. Okay, hon. What am okay. I going to say? So I need to say um, my worst gift given. No, received. Okay. My worst gift received, and I kid you not, Carol Warman, that's my mother, she <laughs> mailed me a box of clothing when I was about 23. The reason I remember this is because I picked it up at the post office and then I remember meeting my friends in a bar and I opened it with them. 23, yes. 24. It had used and absolutely huge lingerie, <laughs> granny panties. Granny maybe, panties? Well, I hope they weren't used. That's just foul. And weird shit clothes, like just horrendous. Just so random. we all had the biggest laugh. We all, I looked at everything and then I gave it away. I have this good thing. Like I don't, my mom sends us stuff and I just go, it's, it's leaving the house. Like don't bring it in, <laughs> in a bag, it's ready to leave. Like, I don't know why she thinks anyone one wants that. Oh my God. And I keep telling her, please. So I think she's not sending us gifts this year because she said the post is too expensive. I'm oh. like, we're partially supporting you. Don't fucking mail me gifts yes. when I'm giving the money to mail me gifts that are bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
oh, oh, oh. Yep, that's the Christmas spirit, Danielle. Oh, I know. I'm such a bitch. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, let's see. All right. On to, okay, now I have a category of silly gifts. One time my husband came home from, he had been down in Chinatown in Boston, and he brought me a bag of fortune cookies. And he made some Chinese food, and then he kept insisting that I open a fortune cookie. And I was like, all right, fine. So I take out this fortune cookie, I open it up. Inside, right away I notice that there's something odd about this fortune. It looks typed, like not printed, but typed back in the typewriter era. And it says something unlikely. It says, Happy is the wife who is obedient to her husband's wishes. So I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, so it turns out that my husband had opened up the fortune cookies. He, he steamed them in the microwave, then was able to pry, pry them open a little bit while they were, they were still damp. He used... Um, Oh, uh, what are those things that you pluck with? Tweezers. Tweezers. And he took out the old fortune and then he had typed up new fortune on my typewriter. So I kind of recognized the typeface. Yeah. And so he had done that with actually all of them. They all had ridiculous, <laughs> annoying fortunes. Wow. Yeah. wow. That, was, that was Dave. That's Mr. Dave for you. Can you please pass on this message to him about that? But that's hashtag crafty AF. Yeah, crafty like to, AF. I yeah, know. Please tell him that because like to, to put it in the, the microwave to steam it open. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. No, he's but brilliant. You know, he's, he's, he's funny though. He's a, he's a handy man. And also it was a joke. Like it's funny to say that to you. That's just It funny. was totally funny. Yeah. We just want to be clear. Charlotte would not receive that advice <laughs> adage like and that he should be like are you kidding me right right <laughs> <laughs> yeah he knew it was a joke that there was absolutely no way I was going to live up to that yeah so I have a funny thing that I did worst gift given and I Ooh. I own this I own this that I was an idiot we had a gift exchange at work when I worked at UCSF at the kidney transplant department mm -hmm. and so they did some kind of a I don't remember if we went out to lunch and I was gonna buy something right I had a secret Santa I had to give it to somebody and my friend's like no that's too much money we'll die we're gonna buy white t-shirts dye them pink and then use paint and make a little something on it so I'm thinking to myself god I suck so much I can't draw I'm like a sloppy writer I'm not creative so anyway, go along with it. And the t-shirt sucked. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> so I wrapped it up for this person as my secret Santa. And I put it in, you know, like I happened to have a Victoria's Secret box or something. <laughs> so I put the thing, the bad t-shirt in a Victoria's Secret box. And meanwhile, she's like, oh, yeah, I'm getting a pretty camisole. <laughs> no, you're getting a bullshit shirt. Oh, and God. It was, and it was very clear when she opened it that she was horrified, but she didn't know it was me. But you know what? All she had to do was guess and be like, oh, that was her. Oh, that's lame. You know, it was handmade, but it was, it still sucked, you know? It was 
BAD bad. Oh gosh. All right. That is totally reminding me of my worst gift given, which is connected to one of the best gifts I ever got. When I was in high school, I had a friend named Anne. Anne played the violin and she also used to do projects with wood. Her dad was like a woodworker. And so he taught her how to do all sorts of things. All right. So I found out from a mutual friend that she was making me a chess set for kind of like maybe our senior year, end of year, kind of, I don't know, maybe a graduation gift. And by chess set, I mean, she was making the board out of two different types of wood. And then she was hand carving all the pieces as little animals. Yes. Okay. So he told me that. All right. So that put me in the position of like, oh no, now I have got to come up with an awesome gift to give her. So I decided I would make her a music stand because, you know, she's a violinist and she had a music stand. She had one of those basic metal ones that folds up and, you know, squishes down. I was going to make her a wooden one. Now, I know nothing. I knew nothing then, and I know very little now about how to build a piece of furniture of any type. This didn't stop me from going and buying a bunch of like already turned pieces and then, and little footsie things. And I don't know, I found a bunch of pieces of pine, nasty wood, and somehow I like, I glued them together, I hammered them together, and I was sweating. I was starting to realize that this was completely beyond me. But I really was, I had no other ideas and I was kind of like running out of time. So I slapped this thing together, it was like real wobbly. And then I painted it this like nasty gold, like ye oldy gold color. And then I might have also decoupaged it or done some other crafty thing. Maybe I put a second coat of color on, maybe olive green and wiped it off right away. Have that sort of old fashioned distressed look. Anywho, it was absolutely hideous. And I still gave it to her. And she pretended to like it. And of course, then I opened up this beautiful chess set that I still have. And I mean, it was like the board was made of mahogany and some kind of white wood. So it was this beautiful, heavy board. And then all of the, she carved all these animals that were adorable, like little lambs and I don't know, like funky ones, like platypuses and little horses and I don't know I should pull it out but anyway it was incredible a work of art and um yeah so that's and she got that nasty thing which I never saw her use I'm pretty sure she burned it <laughs> oh, so it was never brought up like oh by the way my gift stunk right you know there. I think later I might have done something like written her a poem like something I was actually sort of good at you know, I think that I realized that that was like not sufficient by any means. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty bad. That was really stupid. You know, what can I say? 
I think if it was 50 years ago, we need to let these things go, right? Yeah, I just yeah. feel good to share it and get it off my chest. And actually, yeah. I'm still friends with my friend. She lives down in uh, Altadena, believe it or not. She ended up in California just like I did. So the next time you have her on the phone, you could say, oh, by the way, I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> I really do need to stand I gave you. I know. And, I, the, the, and I'll tell you, oh, the other thing is the pieces, she made a box. She also made a box for the pieces to nest in this like soft black velvet. And then there's um, a brass thing emblem on it with my name, put, you know, put in whatever they do. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you. It's gorgeous. The next time you're at my house, I'll show it to you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's beautiful. Anyway, she went on to become a violin maker and that's what she does for a living. That's amazing. Cause she had that special woodworking talent. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. So she and her husband have a violin making business together and repairs. All right, girlfriend. Anyway. I think that you and I, we need to uh, move on to our other, um, our other Christmas duties. <laughs> Christmas duties, holiday things. I Like I said, I have a six-year-old coming over to bake with me. And if you think the cookie dough is ready, it's not. <laughs> so I got to go. So yeah. Don't you, aren't you going to go out to the grocery store and get that stuff that comes in a, you know, kind of a round thing and you just like slice it? Are you joking? Okay. I would well, never do that. Is that how you make cookies? Well... Yes, if I'm gonna make like sugar cookies where you press down different shapes, you know, like reindeer and trees. Yeah. Oh no, no, that no. Is what I would do. Oh, okay, I make it. I make it from scratch. All right, that's good. But I just didn't make it yet. Okay, so you're the best, and I hope you have. Let's let's um, tell everyone we'll we'll see you in the new year. Yeah, 2020 is within view. It's. It just two weeks away Alpha. from today, and when uh, Charlotte gets back from her holidays, we'll start up again. That's right. Well, happy holidays to our listeners. Happy holidays Yuri, to you, Charlotte. Slash, wait, what did you call it? Christmaka. Christmaka. Have a happy Christmaka with your yes. family. Yeah, it's got a lot going on next next week. There's oil, candles. Yeah. Lights on trees. It's nutty. Hanukkah gelt. You know, there's luck on latkes. I like the idea that your daughter had of eight days of latkes, different flavor for every day. Well, she doesn't, but we're gonna suggest that for when she <laughs> oh, when she starts her latka truck business. I'm telling you, I'm gonna start soliciting investors for Sydney's latka truck business. Listen, that okay? I'm in. And I haven't even tasted hers, yeah. but I love latkes. And you can get them year-round if you have a truck. Yeah. Usually they're just seasonal. To drive into your neighborhood. Come on down oh. and get some, some latkes. Yeah, that would, should be great for a party, you know? Have a food truck at your party. Always, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. We'll okay, be, lovey. All right, ciao for now. Ciao See for you now. Here. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. You can get more information about it on facebook.com backslash Sharla Danielle podcast.